Hello, friend. Hi. Long time no see. I know. It's been a hot minute, which I should probably preface this with an apology because all of our mismatch recordings, all of our (laughs) skipped weeks were entirely on me. Alicia has been nothing but a gem, editing three episodes in a row, putting this shit together. I don't know what I would do without her. This has entirely been my fault. Not all of them. I feel like the one week back in October was like a mutual decision Mm because we were like, do we, like, we were just not feeling it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I remember that. Yeah. There was, so we'll, we'll, we'll both take credit for that one, but for like Mm -hmm. a majority of the missed fall episodes, they were entirely on me. That's my bad. My body is like at World War Three right now and like fully just like giving up on me. For those of you who've missed it, Francesca had to have surgery on her foot. That was like kind of, we kind of knew it might happen, but we were kind of hoping it wasn't going to happen, but we knew it like could be a possibility. So, you know, you're trying to manifest that it wasn't going to happen, but clearly our manifesting skills suck. We're not great. Yeah. (laughs) And then naturally, because we didn't want it to happen, we didn't plan for it. Exactly. And I had a month to read a single book and didn't (laughs) because... I was too busy watching Dateline and Below Deck. That's why this is coming to you so fucking many weeks later. This is Bookaholics Anonymous. I'm Francesca. I'm Alicia. And we are back, baby. Back and better than ever. Yesterday was such a power day for feminism. Yes, obviously. Red Taylor's version and Britney getting her freedom back. Iconic. It was, this day should be like memorialized and made a holiday. What a day for, for women everywhere. I want a day off from work to celebrate Britney's freedom. <laughs> Mood. Just, if we can have a fucking Christopher Columbus day, <clears throat> we can have a free Britney day. Okay? I will start that petition right now. If we can have a President's Day. Anyway, how are you doing after yesterday? I'm feeling all the feels. So first of all, the album's amazing. Fuck Jake Gyllenhaal. He is on my shit list. If I see you in Brooklyn, I am coming right up to you, buddy, and I'm punching you square in the face. The first thing I did was listen to the 10-minute All Too Well. Didn't Mm -hmm. even listen to the rest of it, just listened to All Too Well. And immediately texted my friend and was like, hey, you want to go slash Jake Gyllenhaal's tires? And she's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm down. Let's go. Fuck that man. Fuck, fuck Jake that man. But also at the same time, fuck in the best way, Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien. Oh my like, gosh, yes. Fuck, f- fuck Jake Gyllenhaal negatively. Fuck Dil- Dylan O'Brien positively. You know what I mean? I like, I, I do. I yes. really do. Um, the the short film phenomenal. phenomenal. I can't wait for her to win an Oscar and for him to be in the crowd, Oscarless. It's oh. The revenge plot. She planned it so well. <laughs> a revenge plot nine years in the making. We'd love yes, to see it. For a three-month relationship. Love to see it. He is such a... Oh. Watching that film, I'm like, man, Homeboy was a piece of shit. Like, I knew he was a piece of shit, but he, man, he really took way too much joy out of doing those things. Yeah. Disgusting. What's his, what's his sign? Um, he's a Sagittarius. They're tw- they're both the same sign. Oh, I was gonna say because twin fire signs. Oh, I'm a fire sign. I'm an April. I'm an April. 
Oh, maybe he isn't. I'm pretty sure he is a Sag. Maybe not, though. Yeah, he's December 19th. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they have, like, birthdays very, like, similarly, Close. like, placed. But yeah, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah. Stop dating young women when you're four. You're literally 40 and your girlfriend's 25. That is disgusting. I mean, again, I can't comment or speculate because if I had the opportunity to date Chris Evans, we both know I would jump on that in a heartbeat and he's 40. So. Yeah, no, no. But he also doesn't have a record of consistently dating younger women. Yeah, that's a little different. No, Jake Gyllenhaal goes out of his way to date younger women. It also made me think about Leo and how weird that whole thing is. Yeah, it's not great. Men, why can men not date women their age? Just date women your age. Stop, stop messing with the 20 year olds. If you are consistently still dating the same age, meanwhile you are getting older, yeah. older, that's a problem. That's weird. Yeah. That is weird. You're, you like that, that dynamic. That's clearly. weird. Yeah. But I was listening to it in the car earlier and I was thinking, I was like, you know what? If I wasn't such a diehard Jonas Brothers fan and insistent that my wedding song was going to be When You Look Me In The Eyes, of course. <laughs> Of course. I would 100% have my wedding song as everything has changed. But she has to release a version without Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Ma'am, I'm (laughs) begging you. We don't need him. Just give it to me straight. I don't mind him on that song. I I don't either, but I just love her vocals like now, like as she's matured. I feel that. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Every duet she does, I'm like, man... I could use a, a, a version of just her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Except for the last time. That one, that one can stay. No, even that very light body. Mm. Not, not like I would prefer it, but I could use it. <laughs> we could, and you can never go wrong, Tay, with just you. Exactly. Did Let's talk about, for a second, before we jump in the book, the fact that she has Phoebe Bridgers on a verse. Oof. I'm so excited. Love Phoebe Bridgers. Love nothing new, so... Oof. And I heard I heard a clip of it. I haven't listened to it yet because I haven't gone through the full album because I've just been mm-hmm. running around it's like... A, a... It's a long album, so yeah. that's fair. I heard a clip of it on TikTok and... Ooh, the chills. It's so good. It's so, so good. good. So we uh, jump into it? Yes. Yes, yes. Okay. So this week, I am covering the Stillwater Girls... And I didn't even think to write down the author's name, so we're gonna. That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. It sounds. I don't know. I don't never read it, but it sounds familiar. The name. So I'm reading the Stillwater Girls by Minka Kent. Uh, it came out in 2019, and I found it when I was looking for an audiobook to listen to, and it came <laughs> up in my recommended. And because I have no self control, I I got it, and then it wasn't reading it fast enough for me. And I can't, like, listen to it so fast. Like, it's just when I'm reading a book for this podcast, I need to do it on my speed where I can take notes. And it's just, it wasn't working out on audio. So I ended up buying it on Kindle. And I did a whole fan cast for it because of course. it's an episode I'm doing. Obviously, I'm going to do that. So let's get into it. The story actually starts, um, and it's right on the cusp of winter in upstate New York. So it's, like, around November... Where it's like, it's not frigid yet, but it's still like... Upstate New York, quote unquote. So I say, my next bullet point is literally is, I say upstate New York, but it's like near Peekskill and Westchester. So not upstate New York. So upstate so New York. So Westchester. So upstate New York, yeah. N- um, no, no, it's above Westchester. Is... It's in West, like, it's the top part of Westchester County. That is downstate, girly. 
That is no. not upstate. No. We're not mm. doing this right now. So, it is literally, in geographically, lower New York. It is not in upper New York. Okay, well, everything to me is upstate New York. I'm the lowest part of New York. Yeah, well, your perspective is not the only perspective that matters. Anyway, <laughs> we are not doing this right now. So, <laughs> Drop us a comment about where you think downstate starts and upstate yes. begins. Oh, everyone's going to shit on my life. <laughs> So the first, the chapters flip-flop from perspective. So this first chapter is told from the perspective of Ren's point of view. At this point, their mother has been gone for 63 days. And oh. she and her sister... <laughs> 63 days? Just wait. So she and her sister Sage are running low on provisions. Like, low enough that, like, their stomachs are eating themselves. Like, just freezing their asses off. Like, going out in Oswego in a tank top in like November freezing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 We find out that their mom has taken their little sister Evie into town in the middle of the night to get her help because she's sick and Ren and Sage haven't seen her since. So the two girls live with their mother and their other sister in a very isolated cabin, like no electricity. They have an outhouse, like very medieval situation. No, thank you. Yeah. I'm good. I'm, I'll pass, but I'll pass. thanks exactly. for the opportunity. Um, I'll come for a visit. I'll come for You're dinner, right. but I got to leave before the sun goes down because you and I both know hiking is not my thing. I, we, I do. I do. Ren is starting to get worried because their mother and their sister should have been back by now, but they, they haven't. They aren't. So now we flip to the point of view of a woman named Nicolette. Now, she's not in a good marriage and she's a very aware of it. That their relationship, she's constant in this chapter. She's like constantly like looking at how the, her relationship used to be versus how it is now and how distant her and her husband have become. And she really wants to foster a child and like start like a family. And he's just like very cavalier about it. Like he's like, yeah, sure. But he's not like super thrilled with the idea. Then maybe bestie, you should not foster a child with this man. <laughs> Also, we forgot to do what we were drinking. Uh, I'm just drinking water, so I didn't think it was matter. Oh, I'm drinking a hard seltzer. Seltzer. Ooh, fancy. It's called Nude. I've never seen it before, and it's raspberry lemon. Ooh, is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. They have, um, the flavors are raspberry, lemon, peach, mango, and lime. So. Mm, yum. Now we get her backstory, and you find out Homegirl has been through it. The two of them met when she was 22 and just, like, immediately fell in love. They traveled the world together, seeing all these beautiful cities and locations. And by the time she's 25, she has to have an emergency hysterectomy. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so her husband, Brant, is a photographer. So that's why they were constantly traveling together is for his job. But it's been 10 years since then. And she's like very baby crazy. And it's just very, it's very sad to read how all she wants is a child and she can't. Right. I'm I, like, I was about to say, couldn't be me because like, couldn't be me currently, but I can imagine like not being able to have kids would make you want to have kids. Yeah, more. exactly. Like taking away, like, I feel like taking away your option would make you want something more. Right. Exactly. So since the surgery, her husband, Brant has thrown himself into his work and things are, are really starting to slowly decline since then. He has an exhibit coming up in Manhattan, and since he found out about it, he's been particularly brash with her, just very standoffish and, like, short with her. 
the relationship really isn't that nice, especially when you find out that she finds this unidentified object in his sock drawer, but it really makes her like question shit with him. So we flip back and it's been now been 73 days since their mother left. And again, they live in the deep, deep woods. The only people they know are each other. And Ren spends most of her day looking out into the Stillwater Forest, looking to see if her mom and her sister are going to return. We love a title reference already. Yes, we love to see it. So she recalls how their mother made sure no one knew where they were, so it would be impossible for their mom to send anyone to get them. And how their mom used to get their supplies from this man, and she'd be gone for at least like eight hours at a time to go and get these supplies and never let the girls help. And when she'd go to get these supplies, they would make, the girls would make like artisanal soaps to sell so they could make like money and things like that. So when she would go to get the supplies, she'd give the man the soap so they could, that he could sell it. Mm -hmm. So she talks about the reasons why she's scared of the woods. And it's pretty common reasons why people are scared of the wood. Right. Scared of the woods, excuse me. But these fears are, like, deeply ingrained in her. And she's terrified to leave their plot of land because of it. It's very clear how much Ren loves their mother and how much she believes everything their mom told them. And their mom told them, like, society has basically crumbled. The government has collapsed. (laughs) Men are these savage beings and just death and plague ravage the earth now. It's giving me the water cure. That's what I was thinking when I read the synopsis for this book. I was like, oh, let's see how she de- like makes it different. Mm-hmm. And we'll, you'll see. Love that. So now it's Brant's, we're at Brant's exhibit. It's super high end, super fancy schmancy. And Nicolette is there scoping out all of these women that come because she's convinced her husband is having an affair with one of the women that is in attendance. And you find out really how much she gave up to be with Brand in terms of how she swore she would never leave the city, but now she lives in a very remote house in upstate New York. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> upstate. Oh, sorry. So she also makes a comment how when she and Brand met, there was an immediate attraction because he didn't know who her parents were. And I was like, okay, bitch, neither do we at this point. He's not special. <laughs> like, the fuck? Literally. Go fuck yourself. (laughs) So while she's there, she is really thinking about this, uh, the thing that she found in the sock drawer, which we find out is a picture of a child. And she looks at it and the child has Brant's bright green eyes. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, oh my God, he has a kid with somebody else. So she starts thinking about it more and more and has this deep panic attack. And she leaves like the the museum and Brant comes out to check on her and she's like I'm gonna go back to the hotel and just lay down and he's she notes how quickly he is to be like okay and just put her in a car but he reminds her that he's there if she needs anything to just call him Mm -hmm. and she just like goes back because she's just like so consumed with the idea that he's cheating on her and he has a family with someone else so now we flip back to Ren it snowed overnight and when Ren goes out to their hen house to collect eggs, she notices a, fe- a set of f- footprints going across the yard. And they're big boot prints. So it's obviously not from an animal or a woman. 
a man. No! <laughs> a white man? No! <laughs> so she runs inside and grabs a shotgun from above the door and tells Sage she's going to do like a perimeter check. And when I say Ren is like a baddie, I don't want to hear any slander against this girl. Because she says, I don't know who he is or what he wants, but I won't hide like a coward. I won't be a sitting duck. Like, yes, bitch. Go for it. So now, again, we flip back to Nicolette and she's at a grocery store admiring a mother and her toddler son in a sort of like non-creepy way, but it's still like a little creepy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's thinking about Brandt and how she feels about how he's been pulling away from her like the past year. And she doesn't really understand what his end game is because most of their money comes from her trust fund and they always use their his money that he made off of his work as like their play money. Mm-hmm. And she suspects most of the money he makes from work now is going towards this child that he has. Right. And the mother she's staring at gets a little uncomfortable with her staring because years before there had been a couple of kidnappings in town and the babies had been snatched in broad daylight. And this is something like the locals never got over. Right. So now, back to Ren. <laughs> it's going to do this the whole time. I wish I could tell one story before, like, before the other, but these are so happening simultaneously. So it's like you can't do that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Ren goes out to the hen house with the shotgun to collect the eggs for breakfast. And when she goes, she finds one of their hens dead from the cold, cold weather. Which is particularly sad for her because she was very close to this chicken. And she actually buries it, which I'm like, girl, I get that you and this chicken were like homies. But like, you're a bag of bones at this point. Eat it. You need it. Eat it. So in an attempt to feel some sort of normalcy, Sage invites Ren to play checkers. When they start playing, they hear a noise from outside the cabin and then three knocks on the door. They ignore the knocking and just stay quiet and basically try to hide. These women would survive a horror movie. Yes, exactly. That's what you're supposed to do. Who the fuck answers the door anymore? Right? Not me. I don't answer the phone if I, the number is not in my phone. Okay, maybe that's a little... We should work on that. No! But... <laughs> I don't. I won't answer the phone if I don't know who it is. I had to program my surgeon's office number into my phone so I knew when they were calling because I kept like not picking up when they called girly you are walking a dangerous line I always pick up because I get nervous like what if someone's calling about someone I know and oh no I have like for whatever reason my phone number used to be someone else's phone number and I get these phone calls about a guy named Craig his (laughs) his, it's Chase calling him about opening a credit card or it's like uh, direct TV calling me about something. Yeah, so I just ignore them. Anywho, <laughs> so they wait two hours before they even look outside. And they don't see wow. anyone there. The restraint they have. Right? And that's when Ren realizes that the shotgun was in the hen house. She had left it there when she went to go bury the chicken. So Bitch. After the two hours have lapsed and there's no one outside, she takes a butcher knife with her and runs out to the hen house and the shotgun's still there. She grabs it and comes back inside. The girls try to go to bed that night and just when Ren is about to get comfortable, there's three more knocks on the door. She jumps up to get the shotgun from above the door, which is like, bitch, why did you put it back? Right. What? 
Anyway. Bitch, what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, I have to protect Sage. I have to protect their house. But the person on the other side of the door kicks in and knocks Ren to the ground before she can get the shotgun. At this point, let's do like a little fan cast here. I'll tell you who I'm thinking for <laughs> Okay. So I'm thinking the queen herself, Florence Pugh as Ren, because she's a baddie and she would just fit this role very perfectly. Right? I'm down for that. And then I'm thinking for Sage. Did you see Hill House? No. Okay. Well, you know who the actress is. McKenna Grace was in Hill House. Oh, yes. With okay. her hair dyed brunette. If they did that again for this, oh, she would be perfect. Love and then that. I'm thinking for Nicolette, Jessica Chastain, because in the book she has like beautiful auburn hair. And for Brandt, I'm thinking Justin Thoreau, because he gives off that little, like that extra creepy vibe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. And then we'll get back to the other fan cast when <clears throat> we get to their characters. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Nicolette is having her parents over for dinner right before Christmas and like the holidays. And Brandt is upstate doing a lecture in Albany. Upstate. Okay, that's upstate, upstate. (laughs) We find out that her dad is like this hotel mogul and very successful. Her parents live in Nantucket, all that. Sending her mom out of the room, like as a distraction, her dad gets her alone and tells her he got a call from their accountant and that there have been a few large withdrawals from her trust in the last couple of months. That's suspicious. That's That's weird. weird. Exactly. So, which is news to Nicolette, but then she also realizes that even though everything is in her name, Brandt has the passwords to everything. Of course he does. And she never considered he would do something like this. Men know no bounds, girly. Right? They they don't. So now we also find out that Brandt comes from kind of a seedy past. His dad left him and his brother and his mom when they were still in diapers The mom had died of cirrhosis of the liver from a drinking problem and some drug use before they got married. Yikes. And his brother has his own, like, drug and alcohol problems. So even though she thinks Brant has changed, he'll always have that connection to, like, a less-than-savory family kind of situation. Right. So the only explanation Nicolette can come up with is that Brant is using money from her trust to keep his mistress silent. Sir, the bar is so low. (laughs) And yet, you are so below it. (laughs) So, in the book, she says, I scream, but only in my head where no one can hear me. And I'm like, girly, same all the time. I do that, too. (laughs) So, now with this new information about her trust, Nicolette goes searching through Brant's closet to see if he's made any new purchases, any new cologne, anything expensive that would explain this large sum of money going missing. And nothing has changed. Or, and not even the money, but like new clothes and cologne, like he was trying to impress someone new. New cologne. Yeah. Treat yourself. (laughs) Cupcakes. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Um, But nothing has changed. Like he's still wearing the same cologne and she's read articles about cheating spouses and Brant doesn't fit any of the boxes. The only paper trail she has are the money withdrawals from her trust. So Brandt ends up catching her going through his closet and is like, well, what you doing in here, pal? <laughs> yeah, and right. she's like a terrible liar, but she makes some, up some excuse about looking for a belt that's hers and kind of just pretends to like play it off. 
And then she goes down to the, into the kitchen to start making breakfast and notices Brant's phone on the counter. And while he's upstairs showering, she decides to try and go through it. She puts in their passcode, 4504, which, hey, that was my eighth birthday. <laughs> and that's their wedding day. Um, but anyway, it doesn't work. And she realizes he changed his passwords and ends up locking him out of his phone for five minutes because Rude. of all of the fail attempts. Thankfully, he doesn't catch her and and or that doesn't notice that his phone gets locked like because he's upstairs. So now inside the cabin, the man standing over the girls is very frightening to them because he's so like gnarly looking like he's really scary looking. Mm-hmm. He's got scars all over his face and like he's older. So did you watch Sons of Anarchy? No. Okay, well, this, you're not going to get this reference either unless you look him up. I'm thinking Tommy Flanagan, who played Chibs on Sons of Anarchy. I feel like he would fit this role perfectly. If you know, you know. He says that it's strange to come across young ladies alone in the middle of the woods uh, and asks if anyone else lives here. The girls say nothing because they don't trust men, rightfully so, because mm-hmm. of the, what their mother told them. He says he doesn't want to hurt them and that he's just looking for someone. And finally, when the girls really don't answer, he picks up Sage and that's enough to spook both of them into admitting their names and that, that how old they are and that Ren is 19 and Sage is 18. He asks them if their mom is Maggie Sharp and Ren is like, I don't know her by any other name than Mama. Like, she does not know what her mother's real name is. Oh, okay. So Ren tells him that their dad died a long time ago. So she's never heard, like, her dad call her mom by her real name because she was so young when he died. Right. So he died along with their older sister. Now, I'm going to spell the name for you, and I want you to tell me how you would pronounce it. Oh, boy. I-M-O-G-E-N. Imogen. Imogen? No, it's um, Imogen. Imogen? That's what I thought, too. Like uh, Imogen Heap? Yeah. I wasn't sure if it was Imogen or Imogen. Yeah, it's Imogen. Okay, that's what I thought. It doesn't matter because that's the only time it's mentioned. But (laughs) Ren and Sage were so young when it happened that they don't remember anything. Just that their bodies are buried behind the house under a weeping willow tree. All that she knew about her dad was that he had auburn hair and a big laugh. And Imogen looked just like Ren. At this point, the man is exhausted and is like... Let's just go to bed and we'll pick up fresh in the morning. He takes her mother's bed and pushes it against the front door of the cabin so the girls can't escape during the night. So we flip back to Nicolette and find out that every year or during the winter, she goes down to Florida to visit her best friend Kate for the winter. Ever since her surgery. Mm -hmm. But this year she's decided she wants to stay home. She feels like she can't go with so many unanswered questions. Brant is a little shocked to say the least and is a little worried about why she wants to stay home mm-hmm. he's very concerned he's going she's going to slip into this depression and that this isn't going to be good for her mental health he suggests maybe she go for a few weeks uh she doesn't have to go for the whole winter and she's wondering why like mentally she's wondering uh why he's trying to push back and this is just adding more fuel to her fire and he's concerned because the winter after her hysterectomy, she woke up profusely bleeding and left, like, he found her unconscious in their bathroom and had to rush her to the ER. And so he's, like, saying that's why she goes to Florida every year is because 
being up here during the winter might trigger like a bleed again or something like that. Uh-huh, I don't okay. know if that's med- medically accurate, but like, I guess yeah. if you find your wife like that, it's pretty fucking traumatic. So I guess so. But Nicolette puts her foot down. She's like, I want to try and see if I can make it through a winter in New York. And he says, okay, I just want you to be happy. Um, I just don't want anything to happen to you. Back to the cabin. And food is very limited. The man keeps telling them that they don't have to be scared of him, that he's not going to hurt them. He grills them for a description of their mother and even asks them if they have a picture of her. And they're both like, what is a picture? Like a picture. Like what is photography? Like they don't know. That's how limited their knowledge of, like, the outside world is. That is crazy. Because, like, photography is not even considered really, like, Mm high-tech technology anymore. Like, it's... Yeah. That's crazy. That is so crazy. Yeah. The house that they live... The cabin that they live in doesn't even have electricity. I thought you were going to say mirrors. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one mirror, and it's in the outhouse. Oh. That's not great lighting. No. (laughs) So he asks if he looks, if the mo- their mother looks more like Ren or Sage. And Ren says herself, but not, not really. Like her and her mother both have blonde hair, but different shades of blonde. And while their mother's features are more pronounced, Ren's are softer and she's taller than Ren. But without a photo, this is the best that this guy is going to get. So Ren recalls like when they were, their mother was like teaching them, um, learning about like genetics and like pun and squares or whatever. Mm-hmm how she said to her mom, like, why don't you look like me or Sage? And her mom says, genetics are a funny thing. You can look like your aunts or your uncles or your cousins, which, listen, I hate to give this woman credibility, but my sister does look exactly like my grandmother did when she was in her mid-20s. So mm-hmm. it's actually kind of scary if you see two pictures of them sitting like next to each other. Mm. Yeah, which is funny because growing up, we all said Gabby looks like none of us and we all thought like didn't like think she was adopted but we're like where did you come from (laughs) but loki you're like but are Mm. you adopted (laughs) so the guy asks if their mother has a mark on her nose and this kind of makes ren do a double take she says no but she's lying because her mom does have that mark and it scares her that this man knows that so now he's kind of introducing them to normal society for the first time. He talks about TV and how the government regulates TV. And Ren is like, no, the government collapsed. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And he's like, no, ma'am. Like, if my phone wasn't dead, I'd pull it up on the internet and show you. And she's like, what the hell is a phone? And what is the internet? And like, he, he even pulls out like a battery pack to like charge his phone And Ren recognizes it because it was something she had seen under her mother's bed. Mm -hmm. And the next week when she went to go back and look at it, it was gone. And she never brought it up to her mom because she didn't want her mom to think she was snooping. Right. So Ren is starting to question how much of what their mother told them is a lie. That night, the man tells Sage and Ren that they're going to be leaving in a few days and the girls are coming with him. While he's getting ready for bed, Ren grabs, like, the old slate boards that he'd used in school and writes a note to Sage and is like, we're going to have to leave. And she's like, I promise I won't let anything bad happen to you, but we're going to have to, like, escape. Right. So Ren makes a plan that the next night she's going to crush up some herbs in his food and 
some sleeping tablets so they mm-hmm. can escape and take his bag on top of that. Wow. Iconic. I know, because it has all the camping gear and anything they would need to, like, survive in the woods. Mm-hmm. So she's like, bet, that's mine now. Right. So we flip back to Nicolette, and Brant is about to leave for a business trip to Ecuador. <laughs> this part, the only reason I'm including this part is because it was funny. But mm-hmm. Nicolette says she ma- remembers making, like, a remark about how she's tried to convince Brant to move to, like, a warmer climate. And mm-hmm. he said, until we're white-haired and retired, we have no business of subjecting ourselves to a floor... Floridian lifestyle. And I hate to agree with this man, but he do have a point. <laughs> but some, but anyway, so he's leaving for his trip and he promises to call her when he lands and check, check in on her. Mm-hmm. On his way out while he's putting his stuff in the car, Nicolette remarks, oh, just to let you know that there's been a fraud alert on my trust account. So I'm going to freeze it for the time being until we can figure this out. And she sees him like kind of like panic a little bit, like, in his face before like he cuts to like pretending to be fine and he's like okay I'll I'll take a look at it when I get home right and she had intentionally waited until he was leaving to tell him so he wouldn't have time to cover his tracks oh my gosh she's so smart right so after Brant leaves she goes full sicko mode and (laughs) starts going through his emails and all of his social media DMs and there's nothing incriminating uh she gets her hand on their cell phone statements and looks for any reoccurring cell phone numbers that she doesn't recognize and gets a hit on that. Mm-hmm. He's been calling a New York number on Fridays between 9 and 10 a.m. while she's out doing the grocery shopping. And when she checks those times and the dates against the bank withdrawals, she mm-hmm. notices that they line up. That's suspicious. That's, That's weird. weird. She FaceTimes Brandt a few days later and he shows her this big, beautiful view of the Amazon and tells her how when he gets back, he's going to take her on a romantic vacation somewhere warm. And she keeps telling herself that she she needs to stop poking holes in everything that he says without having like definitive proof. Right. To which point I would have been like, okay, you have all this money. You can easily pay for one of those online websites to run that number and find out who owns it. And then do a background check on that person. Mm-hmm. And all of this could be resolved. Because if that person doesn't have kids, then that's not the mother of the child that you saw. You know what I mean? Right. But whatever. That's just me. That's just sicko <laughs> me. So she says she needs, she's going to have to get her anti-depre- uh, antidepressants bumped up if she's going to survive this winter. And when she goes to call her doctor, she goes past her brother-in-law's contact name, Davis Gideon, like while she's scrolling. Mm-hmm. And now I think Davis, for him, I think Kieran Culkin would be like a really good. That's a good one. Right? Yeah. I just think that he would like fit the bill for this so well. So Understandable. She hasn't seen or spoken to him since the last time they had him over for dinner when they told him that they wanted to be foster parents. And he said to Nicolette, what makes you think you're going to be a good foster mom? Oh, shit. Okay. And Brandt Damn. immediately escorted him out. He was like, uh-uh, we are not doing this. Goodbye. <laughs> so, but he always calls for, like, money and asks for handouts. So the fact that she hasn't heard from him in a while, him in a while is a little concerning and a little mm-hmm. suspicious. She decides first thing in the morning she's going to head out and talk to Davis and see if he knows anything. So the next day, Ren has decided she wants to find out if their mom has really been lying to them this whole time. 
and goes out into the yard where her dad and her sister's bodies are buried. Mm, great. Obviously, the guy has hidden the shovel so they can't use it as, like, a weapon. So she has mm-hmm. to use, like, a hand rake to rake back this oh, dirt. Oh, shit. That's so much work. Right? And she starts digging and digging. And the man comes outside and sees, like, what she's trying to do and helps her and gets, like, the shovel for her. Mm-hmm. And she just falls apart, like, in tears because the further they dig, the more she realizes there are no bones under the tree. There was nothing there, and their mother had been lying to them. Dun-dun-dun. Scandal. So it cuts to later that night. They're making dinner, and Ren finally lets Sage in on the plan that they'll be leaving mm-hmm. that night. Um, because she knows if she told Sage sooner, she would have acted different and, like, blown the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So she tells Sage to dress in layers and put your nightgown over that so right. it doesn't look suspicious to the man. Um... And then she puts the sleeping pills in his food. He falls asleep. She grabs his bag and helps her sister through the window over the kitchen sink before she goes out behind her. An icon. Yes. And they book it into the woods. So Davis is the brother-in-law and he works at a tire factory on night shifts. So he's gone most of the night and then comes home and sleeps during the day or does drugs or whatever the fuck he wants to do. Right. So he doesn't like house calls and doesn't like unannounced visitors because he's a bit of a nut. And Nicolette's visit today is obviously unannounced, but she's hoping that the $1,000 personal check in her passenger seat mm-hmm. will ease the blow. She tells him that she needs to know what he knows and that Brandt has been acting different than his usual self lately. Right. And Brandt is like, if you're asking me if I know he's cheating on you, I don't. He adds that, does he think Brandt would ever cheat on her? He doesn't know either, but he doesn't imagine it's a walk in the park being married to Nicolette. Okay, shit. Fuck you then. And to which she says, fuck you, and drives off. Good for her. The next part for Ren opens with the line, my feet burn with every step, my ankles growing weak and threatening to roll. And it's so niche, but it fits so perfectly (laughs) for me. It does. It does. It does. So Sage begs for a break and Ren is like, if we stop, we'll die. We have to keep going. But they ultimately stop for like some water. And then Sage is like, look and points at this big house in the middle of a clearing. It gave me major Cullen vibes. Like it just sitting in the middle of like the woods with big floor to ceiling windows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It just gave me major Cullen house vibes. So that's what I was picturing. And Ren doesn't even realize like that's what it is is a house or like a mansion rather because (laughs) her mom has always told them like there are different cabins like everywhere like everyone has their own everyone's built their own they're all different so she thinks that this is just an elaborate cabin or a structure she doesn't realize that it's like this enormous home right they decide to fuck it either we're gonna get killed going back to the cabin or we're gonna get killed here and ren just prays that these are people are good and they'll help her and sage So Nicolette is in the kitchen making breakfast, thinking about the little girl with the green eyes again. She hears a faint hello and thinks that she's like hearing voices and kind of freaks out for a bit. And then she's like, no, no, it's just my mind. It's fine. And then she hears it again, followed by a knock on the door. And Nicolette looks at the security cameras and sees to see who it could be since it's 7 a.m. and early January in New York. So it's obviously like pitch blackout. (laughs) Literally. 
she thinks maybe it could be a setup that these people are trying to get into the house. Smart lady. She also would survive a horror movie. And she, so she calls 911 and tells them that there are people at her house that need assistance. If they could just come right away. She goes to the door and hears Ren apologizing for bothering her and that they just need help. And Nicolette finally opens the door slowly so she doesn't scare them. And she thinks they're children because of how small and frail they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she says that they remind her of abandoned bu- uh, bunnies like left on someone's doorstep, like just so oh. innocent and frail. So she invites them inside to give them something to eat. And the sisters like don't leave each other's side and don't say much. Ren would often turn to Sage and be like, no, it's okay. You can eat that. No, it's okay. We can trust her. She seems nice. Like things that would suggest that Ren or like is the older one. Mm-hmm. But nothing suggested to Nicolette that they would be related because Sage has a more darker pointed features where Ren had like kind of a straw colored yellow blonde hair Mm -hmm. and her face was much rounder with freckles. The deputy arrives and just looking at them, Nicolette can tell that their story is just going to not be for the faint of heart. Uh, Sage says that she needs to use the outhouse and Nicolette has to take her to the powder room and explain how a toilet and like a sink work. Oh my gosh. That's like how much they were away from society. So they take the girls to the hospital and Nicolette goes with them because she feels like someone needs to be there that's not like in a uniform that needs to be there for the girls. And when they get to the hospital, they ask if Evie is there or their mother and neither are. That's when Nicolette finds out that they're both over 18, aka they can't go into foster care because... They're They're adults. Yeah. So Nicolette takes them in without even telling Brand. (laughs) So Nicolette calls Brand and he's kind of like, what the fuck? Okay. Right. And she says, I can't help but wonder if this complicates things for him. And I can only hope that it does. (laughs) Like a queen. (laughs) So Ren is walking around the house, going to her room that Nicolette had set up for her her and Sage. And she sees a picture of Nicolette and Brant at their wedding. And she notices that Brant has the same color of eyes as Evie. Like the mm-hmm. same eyes. Nicolette offers their girl, the girls their own bedrooms. But they wanted to share one. And the news has taken the story and run with it. Calling the girls the Stillwater Darlings. They like came out of the woods and literally like handmade clothes. Like they need new a new wardrobe. You know? Damn. So Nicolette takes them shopping. For clothes that actually fit them. And Ren is just like overwhelmed by how beautiful the clothing is. Sage tries on skinny jeans and says they make her walk funny. <laughs> it's there that she tells the girls they'll be meeting her husband soon, but only if they're ready. And Brant calls and tells her how proud he is of her for taking them in after he reads an article about the situation. And that he's going to come home a day early. Or you could not. You could just- <laughs> yes. <laughs> or you could just stay in Ecuador. <clears throat> That's okay. That's good. Literally. You, can, you can stay there. Exactly. So she also takes them to get their hair cut. And both of the girls were never allowed to cut their hair shorter than their mid-back. So they all both have, like, ridiculously long hair. Wow. Ren notes that the more time she spends around Nicolette, the more she realizes how controlling their mother actually was. And that being around Nicolette, she allows them to make their own decisions. And so Ren cuts her hair to her shoulder. She's like, chop it off and the woman's like are you sure she's like get rid of it i don't want it (laughs) understandable hair is annoying yeah 
And Sage cuts her hair a little bit longer than her shoulders, but mm-hmm. also gets the bayangs. The bayangs. The bayangs. Ren thinks about when she was younger. She used to have these dreams about a house with flower wallpaper and pretty curtains. And her mom said those were like called false memories. Mm-hmm. But in those false memories, there was a woman. And now Ren is starting to think that they weren't so false after mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And so Ren is quite the artist. She's very talented at drawing and, and working with like charcoal. Mm-hmm. So she decides for the first time she's going to try drawing the woman's face for memory. Wow. So now Brant has arrived home and Ren thinks she wants, she wants him to like her because she mm-hmm. wants to stay because she mm-hmm. likes it in their home. She feels safe there. Right. She notices he has dimples just like Evie. They decided it's been a long day. Let's all just go to bed and we'll get to know each other the next morning. So Ren goes upstairs while Sage goes to bed. She decides she wants to try doing the drawing. So she goes downstairs to get the supplies that Nicolette had bought her. And Mm -hmm. on her way back up to her room, she overhears Brent and Nicolette like having a whisper argument. Mm -hmm. And it scares her because she's concerned that they might ask her and Sage to leave. And so it flips to Nicolette's point of view, and she admits she'd sooner kick her husband out before the girls. <laughs> I mean, right there. Yeah. Same. He can go stay at a hotel. He knows how to work cash. Like, cash. These girls are like toddlers that know how to walk. That's it. Right. Brand says he's worried that this is going to take a toll on her because of the time of year. After the argument... Nicolette goes downstairs to calm down. The next morning, Brant and Ren talk about their art, and Brant offers to make a space for her in his studio. And Ren is, like, really touched by this because initially Nicolette had deemed that space, like, off-limits to them because it's Mm -hmm. Brant's. The nice moment is interrupted by the sheriff, who shows up with some news. She, Nicolette, and Brant go out on the porch to talk. They found the cabin the girls lived in, and they collected DNA samples... But there's more. It's revealed a body has been found in the woods, matching the girl's description, and she's been there for several months. Tea. So they're going to send the samples out to confirm that it's the same woman that was living in the cabin. And there are no signs of Evie. Brant and Nicolette decide to hold off telling the girls until it's definite that it was their mother that was found. Mm. Ren starts using Brant's studio to draw, and he even gave her, like, really nice watercolor pencils and paintbrushes. Even though Ren can pick up on the tension between Nicolette and Brandt, it was really hard for her not to like Brandt because he was so nice to her. Right. So she decides to draw their mom and Evie, thinking maybe it will help the police find them. And Brandt comes upstairs and looks over her shoulder to see what she's working on and is visibly startled by the drawing of Evie. He asks who that is, and she tells him that it's her sister, and he kind of, like, turns white, and he's like, huh, I'll be right back, and, like, gets the fuck out of there. So that Friday, they're at the grocery store with the girls, and, and they're checking out, and the cashier notices that the girls are the Stillwater Darlings. She makes a comment about the body found in the woods, and Nicolette is disappointed, as this isn't how she wanted the girls to find out. So in the car, she tells the girls nothing's definite yet, but she promises to tell them as soon as she knows if it's actually their mother. And when she looks in the rearview mirror, she sees the girls holding hands. It was so sad. It was so sad. When they get home, Ren goes upstairs to get the drawings to give to Nicolette 
to give to the cops, but the drawings are gone. Ma'am? Ma'am? What do you mean they're gone? Ren insists Brandt took them, and she knows it. Nicolette tries playing it off, like, why would he take something so personal? But inside, she is screaming. Yeah, understandably so. Ren feels shaky, like maybe she can't trust him after all. So Nicolette decides it's it's time to make a move. Like, we've been sitting on this for too long, girly. We need to do something. So she calls the number that has been calling Brandt, and she gets the voicemail of a woman named Beth. Nicolette rushes into their bedroom to find the photo of the girl in the sock drawer, but it's gone. I hate this. I hate men. I hate them. I know. So downstairs, Ren is reading Gone Girl. Wow, okay, taste. Go on. Which, like, she doesn't explicitly say in the book it's Gone Girl, but, like, it's Gone Girl. And it's the book that teaches her what kidnapping is. So, like, she learns the term kidnapping through reading Gone Girl, which I think is the funniest shit I've ever heard. That is really funny. (laughs) The irony of that is not lost on me. Right? So, Brant returns, and Ren confronts him about the drawings. Like, where the fuck are my, where's my art? He tells her he was going to surprise her by having the drawings framed, and he had just taken them into town to get them framed. Hmm, I'm suspicious of that, but okay. She realizes, like, she overreacts and apologizes because she doesn't want to upset him because she's still nervous that they'd get the boot if she pisses him off. Right. And that's when Nicolette comes downstairs and Ren kind of does, like, a look at him, look at her, look back at him, look at her, and she's like, <laughs> uh, okay, bye, I'm gonna skadoot, and gets out of there. So Nicolette finally confronts Brandt with the information that she has. The phone calls, the money transfers... The picture of the girl. Brandt is like, what do you think you know? Before she can accuse him of cheating, they get a knock on the door and it's the sheriff. God damn it. She sits the girls down with Brandt and Nicolette and confirms that it was in fact their mother that was found. She tells them that their DNA DNA was run as well and their mother was not actually mother. And they were not actually biological sisters. (gasps) <gasps> tea Ren asks if they were kidnapped and the sheriff says it's possible they were legally adopted but until they find out the girl's real identities they don't know yeah i'm 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 thinking probably not legally adopted <laughs> probably kidnapped so ren remembers how odd she thought it was when their mom went to go get supplies and came back with a crying baby but she was 10 years old so how was she supposed to know that's not how babies we're born. We're just like, right. they appear. Right. Stork brings them, obviously. Yeah. And she says, like, when they were in quote unquote school, she went mm-hmm. into their biology book to learn about like pregnancy and childbirth, but those pages had been ripped out. Of course they did. Yeah. Gaslight gatekeep girl Google. boss. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking it a little too seriously. She tells them that their mother died from blunt force trauma to the head. Oh, shit. And she'd been exposed to the elements for a couple months, if not longer. They still hadn't found Evie, but they promised they would not stop looking for her. The sheriff leaves, and Ren takes stage upstairs to lie down and says, I can hold you the way Mama used to hold you if you want me to, which broke my heart. It was so sad. Because Sage is, like, visibly upset, like, sobbing, and Ren is kind of just, like, numb. Right. So they go upstairs and Brant and Nicolette finish their conversation from earlier. This is where it gets a little suspend your disbelief. 
Okay. It's a little... Con- uh, no, this isn't where it gets convoluted. But it's a little, like... Mm, it's a reach. That. It's okay. a reach. You really... You're gonna gra- you're gonna have to grasp this with your the tips of your fingers, girl. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm mentally preparing for this. Okay. Okay. So, Brant tells her everything she thinks she knows is wrong. The little girl in his drawer, the picture... Is their daughter. Okay. Continue. Beth in New York is the FBI agent assigned to their case. Brandt tells Nicolette she was pregnant once before. I don't like where this is going. It was one of those medical mysteries where she didn't know she was pregnant because she was still getting her period and just thought she was putting on some weight, but she didn't look visibly pregnant. Mm -hmm. And the night she collapsed in the bathroom and was like bleeding out. Mm-hmm. was her going into labor. Mm-hmm. After the delivery, she started hemorrhaging, and the doctors couldn't stop the bleeding, and that's why she had the hysterectomy. And Nicolette was like, how the fuck could I possibly not remember giving birth? Yeah. And Brant was like, you were so traumatized. You were in and out of consciousness. And Nicolette believes him. Look, Like, seeing the pain in his face and just looking in his eyes, she could tell he was telling the truth. But she still was, like, holding off. Like, saying she believes him. She's like, uh-huh. I'm going to call my parents. They're going to know. Mm-hmm. He's like, do it. Call your parents. Call Kate. They will all verify this story. He insists okay. he, he has her medical records upstairs, and he had kept them in his office for this specific conversation. I don't like this. <laughs> you find out she had a really difficult time after bringing the baby home. She'd have to remember to set timers on her phone to re- remember to feed the baby and okay it's called postpartum depression look at she started hearing voices telling her she was a terrible mother and that she didn't deserve the baby and one day brant had run into town and when he came home he found nicolette on the driveway with an empty stroller he said that nicolette said she had given the baby to a woman at the park by the woods she didn't remember remember her name or what she looked like but the voices told her to do it their daughter hannah was only 10 days old. And the di- the doctors diagnosed her with postpartum psychosis. So she went into a mental health facility voluntarily, and when she came out, she had no memories of the baby or what happened. The doctors calling it dissociative amnesia. Brant and her parents agreed to keep this from her for like a little longer for her own mental health, and slowly, like the longer they kept it from her, the easier it became, like the harder it would be to tell her what happened. So it was just easier not to. How was a therapist not involved in this situation? (laughs) So all these years later, she realizes that the local lore about the woman that gave her baby away was about her. And that's why whenever she would like stare at a baby in like public, people would get nervous because Mm -hmm. she was the one that gave her baby away. Right. So... She's like, she asks Brant how he he could stay with her after all of this. And he was like, I was willing to live with the pain so you didn't have to. I was going to say that's sweet and all, but like, go get therapy. Yeah. Literally get therapy. Get therapy. Please, <laughs> I'm begging you. So. There was no need for you to suffer. You could have gone to therapy. So two months before, or two months prior to all of this, someone had mailed Brant the picture that she had found in his sock drawer. The age matched. In that Evie was nine years old. It's been nine years, give or take. Mm-hmm. And she looked so much like Nicolette and she had Brand's eyes. He just knew it was his little girl. Mm-hmm. 
they were extorting Brandt, threatening to tell Nicolette what happened to Hannah for in exchange for money. Mm-hmm. And that's why he was taking the money from the trust was because he depleted his own savings in paying it. And that's what, when he started taking the money from the trust in hopes of getting Hannah back. Which right. it, you never pay the ransom. No. You never pay the ransom. That is hostage ransom. negotiation like 101. So Brant knew whoever was behind this has to be from the area to know about their circumstances and how they were dealing with, with the kidnapping. Right. He tells her the drawing of Rendid of Evie, and he thinks that Evie might be Hannah. Nicolette takes the girls to the funeral home. Sage is physically upset, like throwing herself over the casket, crying upset. Oh, no. And Ren feels more anger than anything, like because all of the unanswered questions died with their mother. When they get home, Ren goes up to the studio to get her frustrations out and like her art. And that's where she finds a photo of Evie on Brant's desk. And mm-hmm. she takes it and runs to tell Nicole that that's, that's Evie. And that's where Brant and Nicolette explain to Ren the situation that Evie is their daughter. Mm-hmm. So now it's been three days since the funeral home and Sage's DNA gets a hit in the system. And they've found her family and they're still looking for her. So her real name is actually Emma. And we find out that her real mother had taken her to a park when she was a baby with her two brothers. And she put her baby Sage, Sage Emma, on a blanket. <laughs> Sage and, Emma. Um, went to go, like, push the boys, like, on a swing. Mm-hmm. And was going to be gone for, like, two seconds, right? Right. When she comes back, Sage is gone. Oh, no. And they spent years looking for her until the father got an offer, a job offer in Vermont that they had to take. But before leaving to go spend time with her real parents, Sage hugs Ren and says, you were right, Ren. You were right the whole time. Everything's going to be okay. Aww. Like, even though Sage is supposed to be, like, 18, she has, like, such a childlike innocence about her. That's just right. so sweet. She's such a sweet baby angel. Right? Which is why I feel like McKenna Grace would be, like, so perfect for this role. She would be really good, yeah. So, five days after reuniting with her family, Sage has been spending a lot of time with them. Their therapist, the girl's therapist, has said it's really integral to her transition that Mm -hmm. she has Ren to come home to. Mm -hmm. So, like, she knows that even though she's with these people all day, her sister will still be there when she gets home. Right. Beth, the FBI agent, is going to be sending in the tracker that she had been working with on Evie Hannah's case. Yeah. Um, to go talk to Brand and Nicolette. So the man Chuck arrives and Ren starts screaming, climbing over the couch in fear to hide. And you find out that this was the man that kicked in the door at the cabin. Mm. So Tommy Flanagan <laughs> shows up. Tommy Flanagan. Um, Nicolette takes Ren upstairs and promises she's not going to let him hurt her. And like, while she doesn't agree with his methods of the way he treated the girls in the cabin, like mm-hmm. she's... He's here to help them mm-hmm. and just stay upstairs until he's gone. So Chuck tells them that it took him a little bit longer to get back to town because the girls drugged him and took his bag like mm. some queen shit. So he knew he was looking for Maggie Sharp, their mom, because someone in town mentioned she was a local second grade teacher whose husband and daughter died in a hit and run accident while walking home from the park. Shush. She went crazy and became a recluse. Chuck says while he's doing his 
investigation, he notices a guy at a local store buying some items and the cashier says his regular order was ready, but it was clearly not for him. It was like crayons, floral print fabric, like nothing like that man would want. And the guy says he's not going to need it anymore. I, you don't have, I'm not taking it. So after some surveillance, Chuck determines the guy was definitely a bachelor. He didn't need those items. So while watching him, Chuck sees him carrying a box of little artisanal goat milk soap into the grocery store Mm -hmm. to sell at the supermarket. And that's when it clicks for Brant. It's Davis, his brother. Oh, fuck. Because he had bought some of the soap from Davis Mm -hmm. because he felt bad. Brant is in shock, but Nicolette isn't. (laughs) Davis was always jealous of like the financial comfort that they had. And Chuck says while surveilling the property, he's found a footpath and followed it. And that's how he found the girl's cabin. So Brandt is all ready to go and kick the shit out of his brother. Well, Nicolette is like, let's think about this. Davis loves guns. We need to like call the cops and make sure we are not about to like walk into... A homicide. (laughs) Yeah. Damn. Double homicide. (laughs) So Ren hears the commotion going on downstairs and comes down and insists on going with them to get Evie. Like, she's like, you are not leaving behind. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> so they all get in their cars and they go over to Davis's trailer and nobody is home. So Chuck, like a madman, runs around the property to see like if anyone is home and then goes into his trash and finds a children's meal and mail from two days earlier. Probable cause for them to bust the door in. Brant, Nicolette, and Ren all sit outside the house with, like, bated breath. And after a few moments, the sheriff comes walking out, holding hands with Evie. Evie Brant Hannah. And- Evie Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> Brant and Nicolette, like, race towards her. They want to pick her up, but the sheriff is like, mm, they- she don't yeah, know you. That's a little you. much. That's a little she- much. <laughs> you-, she- you are strangers. Like, back the fuck up. Literally. And- so they let Ren go to her because she she knows Ren. Right. I will admit this scene was written really well mm-hmm. because it's written almost in like slow motion. She talks about like the lights from the police cars bouncing off the side of the trailer when a pickup truck like rips into the driveway. Mm-hmm. The way it happens, like Brant steps in front of Nicolette to like protect her and Evie mm-hmm. like whips, not Evie, Ren whips Evie around so she's like in front of her. So, like, Mm -hmm. if a gun comes out, like, they're protected. But the police jump on Davis and Mm -hmm. pull him out before he can do anything and handcuff him. And naturally, Brant is, like, fuming. Of course. So he goes up to one of the officers and speaks to him, you know, a little chit-chat. And then when the officer's like, yeah, you good, he goes into the car and pulls Davis out of the cop car while all the other officers just, like, admire the trees. And if that is not white man privilege. It really is. And Nicolette's behind him, like, trying to stop him. Brant keeps asking how long Davis knew Evie Hanna was in the woods. And at this point, Brant is a king, and I will not hear any arguments about it. Because this whole book, he's just been doing everything he can to protect his wife and his child. Anyway, he's, like, fully prepared to throttle his brother over this. Which, like, totally fair. Like, to be clear, totally fair. So it's really hard for Nicolette to watch because Brant is the only family Davis has left. 
And she always suspected Brant kind of felt indebted to Davis because Davis was the one that bought him his first camera when they were kids. And like that became Brant's career. And that wouldn't have happened if his brother hadn't bought him that camera kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But she knows after this, he is done with Davis. And Davis says he did it because he knew eventually they stopped, they'd stop giving him handouts and that Nicolette was getting tired of pulling out her checkbook. And Nicolette thinks, like, she suspects David didn't know that the money he was getting was coming from Brandt's personal accounts. And the reason he was taking the money out of the trust was because Brandt was broke. So Davis says he never hurt Evie, Hannah. He fed her. He let her watch cartoons. Told Mm -hmm. her that he was her uncle. Nicolette finally pulls Brandt back and gets him away from Davis. So at the hospital, Evie tells Ren that Davis told her that he'd known their mother a long time and that their ca- their cabin was his whole old hunting cabin and he had given it to their mother so they had a place to live. So after a DNA com- test confirms that Evie Hannah is indeed their daughter, Nicolette decides she wants to be the one to tell Evie Hannah the truth of like what happened to her. So Brant and Nicolette explain to Evie Hannah that they are her real parents, not the woman in the woods. Obviously, she's confused and upset by this information. And they tell her that her fake mom is dead. And oh so she's God. crying. Wow, there's way too much going on. You Why? <laughs> yeah. Because she's like, as she's sitting there asking, like, I want my mama. I want my mama. And they're like, your mom, she's not with us anymore, honey. Maybe like, you should have eased into that, homie. Like, maybe you should have first been like, Overload her now and put her in therapy. She'll be fine. Oh, my gosh. She's nine. So Nicolette climbs into bed with her and just holds her daughter while she cries. And it even it even says, like, a little while later, like, the therapist say is like says, like, she's very resilient. Like, children are easy to, like, bounce back. And that Evie Hannah is, like, the poster child for, like, being okay, <laughs> I guess. So sometime later, Brant calls Ren into the kitchen. He says he's been contacted by a family member of hers and that she can call her if she'd like. So she calls the phone number and the woman, Katrina is Ren's aunt from Dallas, Texas. She tells Ren she's really sorry, but her parents died about 17 years earlier. In a car accident, single car, her dad was the one driving. By the time anyone found the wreck, her parents were already dead and her car seat was empty. She even said Ren could Google it because the media called her baby Felicity. That was her real name, was Felicity Hollingsworth. Oh, that's my... So pretentious. Yeah. It was impossible for anyone to find her because there was no witnesses, no evidence, but her family never forgot her. She asks Ren if she's ever seen a picture of her parents and that when they hung up, she'd send one to Brant's phone. Mm -hmm. So when they hung up and the picture comes in, Ren looks at it and is like, that is the woman from her real memories her false real memories Mm. and so like all of these false memories were of her real mother oh shit the charges for davis come in and it's first degree kidnapping and murder in the first degree in the night that they had come home from the hospital brant went from room to room like ripping down pictures of his brother (laughs) nicolette was like are you sure like you want to do this like you want to really get rid of him and brant like stands with his hands on his hips and goes yeah and throws them all out (laughs) I mean, fair. Fair. So, it's been two weeks now since they found Evie Hannah. And one night in bed, Nicolette turns to Brant 
and asks if they can adopt Ren, even though she's technically an adult. After everything the two girls have been through, Ren loved Evie her entire life and took care of her. Every plan Nicolette had for the future included Ren. Brant said, we can and we should. So now it's six months later and the family is getting ready for a trip to Florida to visit Kate. Nicolette and Brant insisted on going through the court to legally adopt Ren, even though she insisted like, you don't have to, like, it's really nice, but you don't have to like do that. And they're like, no bitch, we're making this official. Right. <laughs> so the adoption date was set for the end of the month when they returned from Florida. Brant tells the girls he'll teach them how to swim and Evie has slowly become his little shadow. Ren remembers overhearing Nicolette like say to him like she, how amazed she is with his patience with Evie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, when you wait nine years to hold your little girl, patience is pretty easy. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So the book ends with her saying for the first time in Ren's life, she, fi- she was finally home. And that's how it ends. Damn. Yep. I find like um like child kidnapping cases where like they are literally kidnapped because they want the kid so fascinating. Yeah. Right? I don't know how I felt about this book. I didn't like Davis being the kidnapper. Mm-hmm. I think that not that it was too obvious, but like mm-hmm. I don't I didn't like his reason. Like I felt like his reason was too Yeah, it was flimsy. It wasn't right. I wasn't I like li- shocked by it, you know? Right. I like that he's someone they knew because I feel like a lot of times it is people you know who yeah. do things. But I th- I agree. Like it is it was pretty obvious. I would have liked it to be more of a more, a little bit more removed character. Not yeah. like he's like an immediate family member. Yeah, I would have loved. Like I I was initially thinking that it was Brand's dad because his dad had walked out when he was a baby, mm-hmm. and I thought Brand's dad would like be pissed off at his the, his son's success. Mm-hmm. So he would kidnap his kid. Right. That's what I thought. Would That would have been really good. Like, that would have been, been interesting. But I don't know. It felt too easy. Right. You know what I mean? And right. everything happens in like the last like 10 chapters. And mm-hmm. the chapters were like two or th- maybe five pages at most. Right. So it was so quick for everything to happen that it felt mm-hmm. like she was trying to wrap it up quickly, which I get. But at the same time, like... Like, there were several chapters covering the time in the cabin. Right. Like, much more detail than I gave. Right. So, I wish she put that, instead of doing that, put that effort into finding the kidnapper. Right. Because it just all happened within, like, it felt like days. Right. And also, like, the whole thing about Nicolette not remembering, like, her child. You're so right. Like it was, you had to, you have to dispense, you know, you have to dispense yeah. some disbelief because it's like, I don't know. Also, like all these people knew about it and no one mentioned anything to her. Well, like, so in the book, I didn't mention this because I guess I didn't think it was relevant, but I guess now that you're bringing that up in the book, she has a nightmares where she's like pushing a stroller and it's empty. And she thought that was about her not being able to have a child, but after hearing the story from Brant, she realizes that it wasn't an, a nightmare about not wanting a child. It was a memory of giving her child away. Right. So I like, still think it's far-fetched to be yeah. like, oh, she doesn't remember her kid for nine years. Yeah. Especially all these people knew about it. Like, yeah. someone would have mentioned something. There's The only way to keep a secret is with one person. The o- two can keep a secret, but one of them is dead. Exactly. Like, 
it's just a little unbelievable in my opinion. That's why I said you got to grasp it with your fingertips. Right. And also, I don't know. I don't like how they, like, I don't know. It centered Brant too much. Mm. I feel like it needed to center her more, you know? Yeah. It was was told from her perspective, but I feel like she centered, like the cheating too much it, it felt like it took away a little bit of her, her like autonomy you know yeah like, because she I was so know. obsessed with finding but i also think that was part of her character is that she felt like her autonomy was taken from her in marrying mm-hmm. brent brant but yeah so i thought it was really interesting i didn't love it i mean i think the concept was cool Mm-hmm. And how it all circled back together. But the whole thing being like, oh, he has, Evie has his dimples or he has Evie's eyes, I think was too, like it, it didn't make the reveal of Evie being Hannah, like shocking. Right. right. Which like, I feel like could have been a real gotcha moment. And it just mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay, yeah, they're the same person. Right. But I will admit when I texted you and was like, oh my God, I figured out the mystery in 50 pages. I yeah. didn't. I will admit I did not, but that was also because I came up with a much more intricate and (laughs) completely different theory. Right. I thought that the girl's mother was his mother that didn't actually die and she was just living in the woods and that the girls were his sisters, Uh not his daughter. Right. Which again, I think that would have been even cooler. And like he was sending her money to like help with his sisters. Mm Mm-hmm. Even though his mom was insane. That would have been a that would have been so much cooler if like Nicolette found out that he had like these three sisters that have never left the woods. Right. But yeah, I mean it was it was okay. It was under three hundred pages, so that's how I read it in a day. But <laughs> anything else you wanna add? Um, our upload schedule is gonna change. Yes. Yes. We probably should have talked about them again, but whatever. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, we're going to start doing every other week. I think that's going to be more maintainable for us, especially since we're reading a book, one whole book, and then we have to write notes. Mm -hmm. So then we're only doing one book a month per, like, for each of us. Mm -hmm. So it'll give us more time to do that, have better notes. I like to go over my notes. I don't usually because I don't have enough time because it's like, you know, every other week. But I think going once a month will give us time to read a whole book, write our notes, and then, like, go over them. Yeah, um, I agree. Also, the holidays are coming up, so we're going to be busy. Mm-hmm. So I think this schedule will just work better for our schedules. And I think it will be better in the long run for you guys because the content, I think, will be a lot richer and more interesting. Right. In terms of the way we tell the story. But yeah, I think this schedule will definitely be better. We'll probably start it now. I think we are going to do our winter break for Christmas and New Year's. But in January, we will continue doing... Well, not January, but after January. (laughs) Because one of us will go in January. Right. I think that's how we'll continue for the foreseeable future. Yeah, thank you guys for sticking around if you have while we were very confused about our lives and our upload schedule. Yep. But we will try and get back to it and give you guys more content. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bookaholics Pod. 
You can find me on Twitter at French Toastics with an X and on Instagram at Francesca Hope. And where can they find you? You can find me on Goodreads, Alicia Reads 13, or on Storygraph, just Alicia Reads. And we will see you for the next one. Bye.